Hello again, you lovely, lucky people. It's time. It's time for another episode of the Hurtwood Mules podcast. It's Monday. Uh, it's Monday, the 22nd of June, this year of our Lord, 2020, in case you're listening to us from the future. And today we've got another completely perplexing and strange combination of oddities from the students and teachers of Hertwood House School. You're listening to Muse. This is our podcast uh, side project to the Hertwood Muse blog, which can be found at www.muleshertwood.com. I think it's .com. Yeah, it's definitely .com, isn't it? Um, and yeah, for the next hour or so, we're going to have some students chatting, specifically uh, Ellis, Anna and Kiki talking about lockdown life somewhere in Europe, lost in the dark innards of the Airbnb system in Europe, um, talking about what sort of sounds like a, a really kind of uh, dark and strange version of some sort of sitcom scenario where the three of them kind of are basically living together sort of under duress sort of because they're friends anyway it's kind of interesting um, I think they're all disbanded now hopefully they made it back to their respective homes do get in touch uh, to tell us that you're all right. We've also got some original writing from Giselle and Jessamy. Thanks, guys. You are brilliant, original thinkers, creative thinkers. As always, your words are a salve, a tonic in these strange times. Uh, we've got a conversation with Nat about creativity, talking about what it takes to write in these strange circumstances, and some of the amazing projects that they they've been involved in uh, sort of immediately prior to lockdown and kind of what's come out of that in terms of ideas and and you know the the sort of generation of what comes next and new projects that's brilliant to hear all of those good things and then we've got a conversation with our very own director in residence Andy Johnson about producing Shakespeare for a younger audience and how to ensure that Shakespeare remains relevant uh, even again in these very unusual times. So without further ado, welcome aboard. It's the Hurtwood Muse podcast. We're so glad that you're out there and we're so glad that you're listening. Until next time, folks. See you soon. Bye. Hello. Hello everyone. Hi. This, this is, is our podcast <laughs> from Austria. Month number three. Week twelve. Day. I don't know what it is anymore. <gasps> oh my god, it's like 94 or something oh, like 93 almost made it to 100 yeah almost made it to 100 over 100 together so yeah. what have you discovered about your creativity during lockdown what have we discovered guys very inconsistent uh-huh. um comes at the weirdest times like can be 3 a.m it could be just as i wake up it can be in the bathroom in the kitchen in the park anywhere and um uh, when it comes around, this wave of creativity, it doesn't leave until, like, I actually do something, <laughs> like, yeah. like, paint or, well, 
most recently it's been poetry and writing, so that's that. So I realized that I need pressure. Like, yeah, the same. only things I've really been able to do is, like, the only mo- main motivators I have is either, like, photography for my, like, social media platform, because I like to keep, like, consistent photography on my like Instagram so that motivates motivates me to do like loads of photography shoots and then also like for therapeutic purposes like reflecting a lot on things I've done a lot of writing because of that but I find it like really difficult to do things like art or anything else yeah I have no pressure no it's the same with me it's like I did a uni application and like a week before the deadline and even First though I, <laughs> exactly and even though i had a week to prepare my portfolio and everything i left it to the last night and just send it half an hour before the deadline yeah last so two I, days yeah intense. <laughs> <laughs> i literally like i just need pressure from someone else and i feel like the like hardest thing during this quarantine period was motivating myself to do something and motivating myself to get up and actually do something for myself and not for like educational purposes also i think what i what we like all of us discovered is how many different ways of like to be creative there are yeah like i've done makeup Makeup, we've done films we've done hair that actually leads us to the next question what have you made that you really like go on guys (laughs) (laughs) um i started writing even more poetry than i used to but the thing is when I was in school, I would do it for Muse. So I would sit there on Tuesdays afternoon with Sam and Louise, and I'd be like, hmm, let me write a poem. But here I'm just like, at 3 a.m., I can't sleep, and I'm like, wow, poem comes out, number two, number three, number four. And uh, I started publishing them uh, on a little platform, and um, actually have a pretty good ratings oh, on, the, on the platform, <laughs> not to brag. <laughs> no, but... Uh, I've been really enjoying that, especially getting feedback, seeing that people like it, people read it, people, like, reply to me, and it just warms my heart, because I do it for myself, but, like, if someone can relate to what I'm writing about, it's, like, the best feeling ever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I found that I've not really done that much writing for myself in the past, like, and I started writing, like, about things in my life and then trying to like put like an artistic twist on it and try to like write much more descriptively like kind of um merging it into fantasy at one point but mainly like just talking about like things in my experience just going kind of chronologically through my life and it's been a really weird like task like writing about yourself but also therapeutic yeah Yeah. i found it really helped like you see Mm -hmm. things that you went through in a different way and it kind of makes it easier to process things and also look at them in a better light so i really like that yeah that's cool no i i don't know what i really liked honestly i did like the uni application thing i did something and the, the like the task was to make something that I would like like myself or would like reflect on what I do normally or what kind of materials I like to work with so I did kind of like that but then I you think, put a twist on it yeah I don't know I I'm, I feel like I've, I've just been experimenting a lot with styles and stuff but right now I kind of like the things that I like doodle much more 
then the things I spend a lot of time working on just because because they come naturally and it's kind of like developing my own style so I do really like that what have you made that you really hate oh my god so god, many so things. many things art any piece of art any piece of art yeah <laughs> any kind so of any project that I've set up for myself saying right I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna do this drawing I just end up absolutely hating it because it's just it just feels so pointless because I'm like, what's the point of doing it, you know, if it's for nothing? And that's what I feel like is the most yeah. difficult thing about coming out of an art A-level, an art and textiles A-level, because there's just no purpose anymore. And you're just like... Exactly, that's like the point. I'm just like, like, what am I doing Like, I can't, for? like, I was never, like, <coughs> only before when I was a kid, I used to obviously do art for myself and, I'd, like, it'd be fun. But after that, I'd always just do it for school. Mm-hmm. So now there's like the first time in my life where I can actually, as like an artist, say, okay, I have to create something that I'll like and other people will like as well. Because this might be going into like, like this might be my profession in the future. So I don't know. And also it's really confusing because you were like, what is my style? Because in school we've been like brainwashed to take up the styles of different artists and always do research and always put a meaning. So then when you're trying to do something for yourself, you're like, is there a meaning? Exactly. At the same time, though, like, they do teach you, like, quite a good process. Like, you have to do a lot of research on... Research, man. I think research is the main I know, but, like, research on what you actually want to say through your art and, like, loads of artists. What if you don't want to say anything? You have to also, like, study loads of artists that maybe also don't really say much to their work but the point is that you have enough like contextual knowledge to like have enough skills and you like try it out loads of times using loads of materials and you like plan it out and then after like months of planning you finally do like one piece and so to go like start out with a blank piece of paper and just like start painting is so So hard yeah. So also, I, but I feel like also during like what I saw while going through those projects in school is that I just spending so much time on a project just makes you hate it so much. Yeah. Like it's the artist that hates his own creation. Yeah. Like it's literally just like I look at this and I'm like I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. For me, it's like enough. the more the more True. I work on the piece, the more I hate it. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. just mess it up more and more, and then it's like the too much just, gene. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of have the opposite though because like when I work on something so long, like I have like a determination to come to some kind of conclusion. Whereas if I start a piece from from scratch I'm just like this is probably going to go badly and like it it doesn't matter because it's just from my head and I have like no faith in it when I start but if I've had so much work on it I'm like there's no way I'm gonna let this go badly because that's so much effort that I just put into it yeah so the answer to this question is is I hate all the art (laughs) all the art that we try all the projects that we try to start and we just never finish because we don't have the motivation to do so. Motivation. Yeah. You gotta have motivation. You gotta have motivation. Okay, what surprised you the most? I think what surprised me is that... I forgot what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I was like, I think... I forgot. No, um, just... Exactly. Um, about the whole meaning thing. I think it's so hard. Like, in school you learn how to... Like, you work on something, then you have to give it a meaning from the beginning. I feel like it just doesn't work 
like that really in art like I feel like yeah that's the true pieces that I've work, been working on that I've just kind of been doing um for they, yourself yeah for myself I realized afterwards what the meaning of them is yeah and it's so much yeah. more interesting to see a piece develop naturally yeah like I feel like the process of a great piece of art is just how it naturally flows and you can really see that but I see so much art which is really forced and there's like a forced meaning and I feel like it's just not that powerful. Yeah, and I think that's like with any kind of creativity and like what surprised me the most about me being creative is the fact how naturally it comes. Like you yeah. really cannot force creativity yeah. and actually with all of my poems and art pieces and anything that I've been trying to like upcycle clothes or anything, well the clothes doesn't have doesn't have the meaning to it, you know, but with like the actual like physical kind of pieces, it's always meaning comes after. Like even with poems, you know? Yeah. Like cuz with poems you could give them so many interpretations that it's just like, yeah, what's the point of me saying today I'm going to write a poem about depression cuz like that's not going to happen, you know? Cuz you just like kind of whenever you are being creative you're just kind of trying to dig up the emotions from your head and then that's it you're pouring out the emotions and then you're like oh wow that is the emotion that i yeah. was going for it's, it's kind of like with my instagram account i realized after looking back at it that there are all these like different color themes and different like compositions of like in the frame like some that there's like periods where they're all really chaotic and then sometimes it's really s simple like black and white colors and like while I'm posting pictures I don't think about it and then when I look back at it it's like every theme and the colors fit with like how I was feeling at the time and yeah, it like really, reflects your yeah, mental state it's, it's really weird how you learn more about yourself sometimes after you do a piece and you learn about its meaning after it's done yeah yeah it's like going back through your sketchbooks when you were 13 yeah and you're, and you're like, like oh wow oh, i was oh, feeling Jesus that Christ. like wow <laughs> like that's a bit dark like yeah. um, i've also been surprised by the photography shoots we've been doing and how like how just, many we've been doing yeah and it's how spontaneous great yeah. like way to pass time yeah it's fun ellis just... went over to kiki's place to pick up a guitar she came back i have bright orange hair bright orange makeup it's time weird. to take yeah. some weird photos. yeah we went into the attic we took some pictures and that's, that's how we are like, creative we also like experimented with different materials like, yeah like we took acetate put vaseline on top of it and, and it's it, like a fog it made it look blurry. like your face was like melting it was so yeah. cool and like it's put so spray paint it's so well. great using people you know as like friends and family yeah because you're models. comfortable with each you other you just ask them to do anything and you can make the most like interesting photos with it so i like i really enjoyed and i doing that and yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> you. <laughs> what do you miss the most my dog. I miss Ellis, my I dog. <laughs> the food. I miss Felix. Okay. I miss. Um, I miss yeah, having I miss a dedicated space for work. Yeah, in school, I, I like miss art. having structure like in my day. I miss having separation from home to work. You know, because now it's just a one here, big blob of yeah, just everything. Here, we don't remember what we did. We don't remember when we were creative. We don't remember how we were creative. It was just kind of because we do all of our art and most of our photo shoots and most of our poetry and writing. We do it in the apartment, so it's like where we sleep, where we eat, where we do everything. Yeah. It's just I miss blends. having, like, art supplies. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Just, yeah, being you able feel to... so limited. 
Like yeah, now. like all I have is like a biro. And I mean, I, I guess mean, it does force you be enough to like, limit yourself to find your style. Limitation <laughs> does like cause you to have to think more outside the box. Yeah, I mean, like, because that Chinese saying, isn't it like um, the the sign for um, chaos or not chaos, but like crisis? The sign for crisis is the same sign as um, chance. So it's like. No idea, man. <laughs> out of crisis, you take something, you know. It's like, I mean, I wouldn't. Go, are you call, are you saying that us not having art supplies is a crisis? No, but no, we were in a global pandemic. Is that not true. A, enough crisis? That is true. Yeah. No, but it's like because we had such limited art supplies. I feel like I started being creative in more of like you know writing yeah. and like poetry and everything and digital art actually. I do but, really miss like. Someone cooking for me. <laughs> yeah, having I feel food like prepared. I'll cry the next time someone cooks me a meal. Come on, Kiki's mom does that. Yeah, but like it's it's been like quite a while. Yeah, you never come over to my house anymore. That's not my problem because we, just, we like, feel like a burden. It's been not, three like, long months. Burden. My mom literally always asks you. She's like, do you do they not like my food? No, they do. <laughs> but we've also have such a messed up routine that by the time we wake up, yeah, we it's dinner. dinner. <laughs> we wake up at three it's that actually leads us to the next question guys how have you changed your sleeping cycle drives oh me insane my god uh yesterday we were talking i asked kiki oh are you gonna come over tomorrow she's like yeah i will in the morning i was like what do you mean in the morning she's like, like yeah 12 one like 12 two, two three i mean i came at six or seven yeah that's our morning that's our afternoon <laughs> that's like yeah, Alice just woke up like two hours ago. She's just <laughs> having breakfast. It's a normal thing. Although that like doesn't sound like we're being the most functional, we have changed like in oh a, so much. It's like we've become more yeah in all aspects. In some <laughs> yeah, because we we really tried out adulting and like cooking for yourself, cleaning for yourself. You know, actually forcing yourself to go outside and get fresh yeah. air because we would forget to do that. Actually, and then we'd like, oh my God, we haven't left the apartment in three days. Yeah, like actually having to pay attention to like how many uh, like f- fruits and vegetables you're actually yeah. eating and that you're not just living off cereal. Yeah, <laughs> we've, <laughs> been, we've been faulty of that. <laughs> it's like the bubble that was popped. But yeah, like, yeah, no, it's just like Literally. because even in Hurtbull, there were always like adults taking care of you, yeah. And now, even you though you're the adult so, taking care of yourself, yeah, even though you felt so independent and cool, like, I'm oh my like, god, oh Jesus my god, Christ. I don't want any adults looking after me, I'm all grown up, I'm and 18. Then you're shoved into the wilderness, <laughs> and now you're, like, and then you're like, please, someone help me, <laughs> yeah. We've, oh we've god, changed physically. I got, I got sick at one point, and that was the most terrifying. <gasps> oh my god! I thought I had corona. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all had corona at one point. Yeah, like we've all. I feel like I have it now. I'm having a bit of a cough, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're dying, <laughs> and we're leaving you. Yeah, but as you were saying, physically, like, physically had oh 17 god. different hair colors. Oh god, Anna. We, we both have mullets now. Yeah, right? <laughs> Kiki's a hairdresser now. Oh yeah, I have, I have, I'm fully professional. I've turned this into my thing. I cut my brother's hair. I cut my dad's hair. I cut Ellis's hair. I cut Anna's hair. I haven't cut my own hair yet. I haven't gone to that point, but I cut. But she hair. was really close to. She's yeah. pretty close to. And we've all dyed our hair. hair. We've all yeah. dyed our hair. We've all. Um, I feel changed really, really, a lot spiritually. 
Oh yeah. Moonlight gospel. Moonlight gospel. Midnight gospel. Oh dudes. my god. Midnight gospel. Get it right. Yes, that is <laughs> the like biggest this, recommendation really to watch on Netflix. Animation series. Yeah, it's like um, it's about everything. About like it's philosophical Death, topics, beautiful, life, beautiful. everything, like meditation. Magic. Yeah, it's so it's cool. like this and podcast, just with like. It's animated podcast. Animated. Anna yeah, even cool. picked up witchcraft at one point. Yeah, I oh, have. We were burning sage. Well, yeah. Tea bags. <laughs> tea bags. Sage. sage. Yeah. Been doing my little witchcraft, my wicked prayers. Been, you know, walking around with crystals, help, like hoping that it will heal me somehow. It will. Uh, yeah. It will eventually, yeah. But no, Midnight Gospel is like the biggest recommendation of what to watch on Netflix because it's it's by people who really did Adventure Time. I did so yoga today. I feel like I'm spiritually awake, awakened, awakened. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> woke. <laughs> woke. <laughs> I feel like it's just like brought some peace into these conditions. Yeah, exactly. I feel like having this massive shock and like change of life. Also cultural it's shock. Just, yeah, Australia is so much different to every other country. to no one in particular and tried to cycle but fell off. 6. Argued a lot. 7. Worried a lot. 8. Worried a lot. 9. Worried a lot. 10. Dropped some brownies off at Grants. No shops, no clubs, no cafes or pubs. It's boredom. A-levels are done. What's been done is undone. No 
let's just decompress alone. Can't moan, can't groan. Just wait. It's boredom. Okay, so um, Nat, great to catch up with you. And the first thing I want to talk about is um, uh, how you've reacted to this kind of termination of school, um, this thing that you've been working up to for, you know, since you were four, four and a half. Um, and it's all gone. It's, you know, the A-levels are gone. Um, I know it's also traumatic and you've been very poorly, so you've been coping with that. But how, how do you feel about school ending, having ended so incredibly suddenly? Well... For me, I suppose the change from school to to quarantine was quite a lot easier because I was homesick for three weeks, so I actually missed half of the last term. Yes. Um, and in terms of school being over, I I definitely felt a lot of sadness. Um, mm-hmm. that I had been working really hard, and um, I didn't feel like I had the kind of closure from it. At the same time, I'm in a lucky position where I know that um, my like weekly grades and the work that I've put in for the last two years will reflect well on the grades that I am given. Yeah. But it, it feels like I was excited, as strange as it sounds, I was excited to do revision and to make my final note cards and, and I guess have a sense of completion about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's what that's that's why I asked because or you know the immediate reaction no A levels no exams um but that takes away all the elation after the 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 labor so um um anyway it's it's it, it's gone but um <laughs> it, I ju- I just uh, wonder how your generation are going to uh, cope with it well of course we've got leavers concert this afternoon so um um we've all been um doing our little bit for that so um okay so so y- y- tell us about you 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 said you've been on a writer's uh, retreat so t- can you tell us all about that so um i while i was at hartwood i was also doing work for a film production company called left eye blind mm-hmm. and the um founder of that production company has a writer's retreat they normally do it in person um so it's founded by two producers and a friend who's a chef normally it's a night so you go to some fantastic location in london and the chef founder makes an amazing meal and it's about four hours with a group of 20 creatives and you Mm. eat and write and talk and share and it's a really lovely kind of um singular experience Mm -hmm. and for quarantine because obviously there isn't any film production work to be done um the uh right club decided to host online so they moved from one evening sessions to one week sessions and there have been five um essentially the structure is you have a call at nine in the morning uh, for for about an hour where you introduce yourselves, you discuss, um, and you set a prompt. And each there is a different person hosting every day. So I did actually host a day in the end, mm-hmm. um, which was very fun. 
And yeah. once you have your prompt from the morning, you spend the um, you spend up till the afternoon writing, and then again at one, there's a call where you eat lunch and you share, and um, they also have uh, yoga and meditation hosted in the morning by some of the lovely participants um, who okay. are yoga instructors, and um, there is also a movie club which is hosted by Netflix Party. And um, lastly, they have amazing opportunities for masterclasses. Um, so they, ha- when I was there, there were three, um, so one every week yes. of these sessions with professionals. So yes. um, I got to speak with some amazing people, um, notably the um, author of Killing Eve, Oh, wow. Um, Who's that? Sorry, pardon my ignorance. It's Luke Jennings. Yes. Um, And it's funny because I live in Crouch End and he actually, a lot of the show was filmed in Crouch End. Really? Okay. Yeah. But um, he was lovely and I got to ask him about his routine as a writer because he's also a journalist and I've written journalistically as well as creatively. Um, And in terms of how he sets deadlines for himself and... um, uh, he was a very interesting but very professional um, mm. individual. And then I also got to speak with um, Nell Frizzle, who's a journalist. She's written for everyone from Vogue um, to BuzzFeed to... Um, wow. Let me just check, actually, because I want to make sure that I'm saying this right. Yeah. Yeah, she's written for The Guardian, Vice, The Telegraph, Elle, uh, The Observer, Time Out... All of these different sites. Um, does she does she take commissions? Is she freelance? Is she? I believe she's freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just written a, an autobiographical uh, book, so yeah. a fiction. I believe it's called a fiction, nonfiction, or something like that. Um, okay. But it's autobiographical, and yeah. she also wrote a um, commit. Uh, a commission or a section for this book called At the Pond, which is about Hampstead Heath, which I thought was so funny. Um, And we really, she's an amazing individual and I love her writing style. Uh, I actually got to read some of her work back to her, which was uh, an interesting experience. But um, we really connected and um, hopefully we'll, she invited me to continue the discourse on Twitter. So we'll be in contact um, because I have lots of things I'd love to talk to her about. She's super interesting. She's a um, seamstress, a writer, a mother. She lives in Oxford. She's been a lifeguard at Hampstead Heath. Um, Her family's from New Zealand. So we connected on a lot of different levels. And the fact that it's a a call for... for, The call with Nell Frizzle actually ended up being about uh, two hours. Wow! But wow! Is she? Was she? You? 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 You drop the name as the Right Club, which I'm assuming is the W R I T E Club, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and is she um, uh, kind of in part of a part of that of that setup? That or is she? She's not a fellow participant. She's um, she's part of the structure. So she's not officially part of the structure, but essentially one of the amazing parts of Write Club is the networking. I've had mm-hmm. access to all of these amazing people. So writers, um, comedy, um, TV, uh, screenwriters, um, mm-hmm. photographers, uh, general creatives, playwrights, all of these amazing yeah. people. And those are just the people that you write with. Um, wow. Additionally, 
the connections from the individuals who participate bring on these amazing, famous um, industry professionals to talk and share their experience. So um, Nell Frizzle ended up actually being a friend of um, a photographer who I'm, uh, I'd like to think that I'm close with, um, named Liz Seabrook. And um, it's, I mean, it is, it is uh, quite amazing to have 15 or 20 people in almost a, um, a virtual room with yeah. someone who's as kind of almost auspicious um, and who really has a lot of knowledge to impart um, and you have an hour or two hours to ask them whatever questions you'd like, which wow. is... Oh, has been really special. Okay, now I'm going to ask the obvious question, which is that has um, COVID made intensified the people available here because of um, you know because of lockdown? Is that you know is that is that, is are you being extra specially enriched here because so many people are um, available? Do you think? Oh my god. Absolutely. Wow. Um, well, that's, that's just, you see, another silver lining. Another silver lining. Hurrah on that. Hurrah. Yeah. Um, I mean, just just last night, or um, possibly the night before, I actually can't remember, um, I got to be part of an Instagram Live um, and, uh, masterclass run by the National Film and Television School for Sally Porter, who's a writer and director. She actually made the um, adaptation of Orlando. Did she? Okay. And um, she was, uh, I think it went on for about an hour. There were mm. questions from the students and then a, a small section of questions from the public at the end. But yes. because I'm interested in applying for the National Film and Television School, um, and they regularly ho host these kinds of masterclasses, it was Good. really incredible. And Sally Potter is fantastic and was incredibly engaging and interesting. And I mean, that that live would have never been um, to the public had COVID not been affecting all of our situations. There were several prompts. There was a prompt um, about an image mm. and there were a lot of images to choose from. And I think that was amazing because seeing the diverse um, reactions from the writers um, mm. and some of my favorite pieces I think came from that exercise, including my own, um, I ended up actually starting writing a novel, not that it's novel length at all at the moment, but it just created this whole world. Um, and uh, uh, and when I read it, uh, when I shared it with the group, um, I received so much praise and adoration. How lovely. I'm not, I'm not, I have to say here, I'm not surprised. I have been trying to get you to do more writing, as you know, for 18 months. Um, and, and your brilliance with poetry, um, that distillation of language, I've always wanted to see you do more extended writing. Yeah. So you, you've, got, you've got an extraordinary observational and creative skills, uh, you know, so... Um, Thank you. Um, I wanted to say, actually, I was speaking to my, my mum yesterday that yeah. I was sharing some poetry with her that she hadn't heard yet that is up on Muse, uh, Grandfather Clock. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She, she, was, she said, it's very good, but it's very, very depressing. And I thought, <laughs> and I said, um, yes, well, you know, maybe it's actually a good thing that I'm not writing poetry anymore um, because it, it definitely came from a rather um, morbid place for me last I, I, I have to, I have to say, I, I have to say poetry, as we all know, writing of any kind is so um, therapeutic. It's, uh, you know, how do I know what I, 
I, I think, until I write it. And yeah. that's as true of one's emotional state as it is of anything else, in, intellectual or otherwise. But um, poetry is so often the dark place, I think, where we put a lot of um, uh, our negatives. But I think when yeah. we start to move forward into prose writing, we can develop them a little bit more. I um, agree. Or, or perhaps they plant different seeds that are that are more creative. And then maybe we see ways out of all the problems that sort of weight us down. But um, in terms of the exercises, yeah. it was also, I think it was the last exercise that I did for the third week of Write Club, which yeah. was uh, we got paired up and we did um, a, a, one sen- a kind of back and forth one sentence or one entry each as a conversation. So very little um, or no non-dialogue writing. Um, and I was paired with Liz, who um, I love, yeah. This is a photographer, is it? Yeah, no. a photographer no. who also does writing, sometimes for her blog, but also she's been interested in more creative writing. Okay. And um, we, her first line was, I'm sorry, but you're dead. Mm. <laughs> Assuming the perspective of this 20-something California um, man who plays video games, loves his me more, and... Um, really doesn't have much of a life outside of um, the virtual world. And so he's actually not that upset that he's dead. Um, he's just kind of a little bit confused. So so what did you come back with? Um, I'd rather come back uh, literally or emotionally. Uh, no, no, sorry, with, what was your next line? Because if that was your starting line, yeah. I can, um, <clears throat> I can find it for you. Uh, <laughs> I believe it was, but... But my Space Invaders high score, I can't be dead. <laughs> I think it was something like that. So did you go into, uh, so what kind of mood did that take on? Funny? Dark? It was kind of um, the American, I mean, I'm American, so I can say this, but the American asking stupid questions and everyone else being eye-rolling and um, <laughs> kind of coming back with something, the sentient being would come yeah. back with something really profound and something about existence and almost trying to provoke a um a, a deeper reaction in in the um opposition and my character would would just kind of bring it back to uh, Mimo's cookies or something mm-hmm. that's a re- that's a really good um exercise that this is this is great i just thought it would be great i mean as you know her with her so many um talented creatives um but who want to write but the but you know making yourself write i think is the hardest of all things you know that's and it sounds to me this idea about you know setting up a a a a, a dialogue like your like the right club did that sounds excellent um highly i would highly recommend because it was almost it it's a very quick process, especially on something like Google Docs, where you can see an immediate change in the other person's contribution. And yeah. also in the, um, it's like getting a prompt. Every time you go to write something, there's something new that you can write off. And it's a, it's a wonderful way to kind of continue that momentum. Mm, okay, so are you continuing the Write Club? Or, I mean, you, you, you said you'd just come out of retreat. So um, does that mean it, it's, it's over, but you've got lots of material to work on or what? It's over. Um, it was only five weeks because I think now um, Matt Maud, my lovely friend who started Write Club, he, um, you know, needs to get back to, to working on his real job. Yes. And, um, but he has really enjoyed it and so have I. 
going forward, I've been doing freelance work in web design and graphic design. Um, okay. I have been working on uh, general enrichment, but also UCAS enrichment. Okay, of course, of course, of course, of course. And um, I, and and tell me and tell you know in, in terms of um, are you gapping? Are you going to take a gap year, or are you going hoping to go straight into uni in the autumn? Yeah, so I'm um, on a gap year, and I'll be applying to universities in this coming September. Um, but I'm okay. also hoping, as I mentioned earlier, I'm applying to the New York, uh, sorry, National Film and Television School for their sixteen yeah. month diploma screenwriting course. Yeah which would allow me to have a weekly structure all the way up until my first term of university. And I'm really excited about that possibility, so fingers crossed. <laughs> OK, so to start that before university? Yeah, so that would be my kind of... It would start this September and it yeah. would continue all the way until December of my first term. OK, OK, OK. Um, and where are you hoping to go, do you, do, do, do you, do you hope... Um, I'm applying to uh, philosophy and psychology at Oxford. Hmm. Excellent. Okay. Um, actually, Sam had mentioned that that um, you were putting in Oxbridge to come to us, so that's great. Um, and that means that I can input into your reference, which would be great. And here comes the next bit from me. Um, any writing you can throw our way for Muse or any imagery? Now, you said you've been commissioned um, to do some work. Tell me more about that. I have uh, four years of coding experience in a few different web languages and I also have a lot of experience designing websites. Um, So I reached out to a company that I really love, it's a music production company, and um, because they were asking for a web designer and I did uh, work for them last week, um, which was a learning experience for me and um, I definitely had to use all the professionalism and um, communication skills that I had in my reserve. And um, it was definitely like my first experience of stress after Hartwood, which was definitely a, probably a good reminder, I would say. Um, Mm. But the, um, the design work um, has kind of kickstarted this, uh, passion in me uh so I've actually started a um diploma course at Shaw Academy for their graphic design program okay okay interesting gosh you're 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 not um (laughs) you're not treading water are you well you have to remember I had about two months of lying in bed thinking like oh god if only I could do something so um this is kind of my comeback Good. I like that. I like this as a comeback. Um, this is the this this makes me think of the kind of Frida Kahlo thing. Do you know you, do you know you know about Frida? You know, I mean, lying in as she say, lying in bed and staring at nothing and thinking, you know, I can't bear this. I've got to change something. So um, I love that story know. of her her um, putting a draw uh, a painting kind of board above her bed so that she could. Um, she could make art while she was um, yeah. incapacitated. in pain and suffering, and I, I, and again turned into turned into uh, 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 so much more than everything else, I suppose. But um, um, good. But listen, would love some more writing. Something, something to get on on Muse. On you know, have you got any short pieces that that you feel might be truthful and and you can give an airing to? And I wonder. Um, so. From Write Club, I've been working on this kind of fiction, 
um, piece, but I don't. Th- I think I have a lot more to give for it before um, it can. It, it's kind of useful to be published anywhere. Possibly yeah. the introduction uh, I could share. But okay. honestly, I haven't been, I've been, my creative skills, I've been using my fingers a lot more than my mind. I've okay. been knitting, which I spoke to Jane in careers with. We had a lovely little knitting session together. Because my next question was, this Right Club, I presume that it's no longer available in the format that you've been experiencing it for anybody else to, to join? Unfortunately or... not. But um, it will restart when we're allowed to have big dinner parties again. (laughs) I'm really excited. I I think we're going to have some kind of online writer's retreat, big meetup where we get to see everyone in person and be shocked at how short everyone is. (laughs) um, I believe uh, if you go to Write Club, uh, their site... They have published entries from the work that's been shared during the retreats. So if you'd like a little bit of a burst of creativity or inspiration, I'm sure that there is some to be found there. Okay, that sounds brilliant, Nat. Um, really, really grateful for you taking the time to, to uh, uh, you know, to, to, to share all this. This is fantastically interesting. Would love to hear, I'd love to kind of get your notes from your, the, uh, the um, Nell Frizzle um, masterclass that would be fantastically interesting um, so I'm going to leave you to your day my darling and um, hope that all is um, continues well it's really really good to see you um, buoyant and creative and um, I mean uh, as I'm also equally relieved and excited about it <laughs> good well that's what I that's what I like to hear so listen do stay in touch I know I know everybody especially A2s kind of feel cut loose and stuff but you're never cut lost, loose from Hurtwood and, and, and my joy as kind of minister without portfolio for for anybody creative is that i would love to keep in touch so so keep keep me keep me in the loop and 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 keep writing and if you want you know entirely separate from muse i know i'm a bit of a tart always looking for uh, muse stuff but i think people need encouragement but if you just want me to look at stuff and and you just want a feedback or you just want an audience just put it my way i'm you know I'm, 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 i'm 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 a lot more than just looking for Stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see. Well, I'm amused amused and challenged. Um, anyway, lovely to hear from you and stay well, okay? And yeah, stay positive and stay creative and send me and send me those notes. I will. I, I look forward to sharing with Whatever you. Whatever works. Yeah. So um, we gave a little natter about Shakespeare and how to make Shakespeare accessible to a young audience in the 21st century. I guess it kind of comes off the back of a question that everybody asks, particularly when they're younger, which is why do we why are we forced to study so much Shakespeare still now, you know, 300 years later, 400 years later, whatever. Um and it's an interesting one. I don't really have a simple answer to that question, but yeah, my my sympathy does go out to the young people who are forced <laughs> who are forced to <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's something with I can remember being 17 at technical college in Newark and, and having to read round the table, Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah. Half the time I was lost, half the time I couldn't understand it. It looked like a different thing. But I mean, as I've taught it over the years and taught it really intensely with drama school stuff, it is just the language alone and the construction has just opened out and really opened my mind into like, 
This can mean, and it doesn't matter which, this is set out in such a way that it can mean four things simultaneously. Yeah. You know, and it can be, one of them can be rude, one of them can be an insult, and on top of it, it sounds completely innocent as well. Yeah. But it's, and then the main thing I've learned is to be appreciative of that, not scared of which one it is. How do I choose the right one? Because it probably means all of them simultaneously anyway. Yeah. But to make it more accessible to young people, youngsters and why do they fear it it's weird because all of these uh the vikings series that everyone's making and ozark and all of that they are all based on if you've read othello or done othello you can kind of guess what's going to happen next in all of these things because i you know there's some theory about there only being five stories or something but shakespeare's beaten most of them to it or they're just copying or it's there subconsciously in our heads but I think it's, I think, I think make them shorter, like the ones I did, because that's painful as a director, because you usually have to cut the best bits of the poetry out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, to keep the story moving and to just make it accessible. I mean, we were talking before about in my Romeo and Juliet, they're at the party and there's this sort of slow motion classical Shakespearean dancing in the background while Romeo meets Juliet and they talks to um, Mercutio uh, yeah. and all of that lot. Oh no, Mercutio's not at the party, is he? I can't remember. Um, then suddenly the lights explode. Well, the lights are going in slow motion, but suddenly the party comes to life when they arrive and uh, they're all dancing, this classical dance to uh, an old punky song called have you ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with um which you know is quite apt and that sort of modernizes it a bit and i've nicked bits out of um family guy little moments that people will recognize and and, you know um a couple of them were musicians so they just wandered around when i did hamlet with a little guitar and and sang their own versions of bits of the plot um But I just think to make things visually interesting and compacted so that you're not spending two and a half, three hours watching yeah. something. It's the story. The story's as yeah. good as any story you're going to get. And then yeah. make funny things happen, I think, is, yeah. is yeah. partly... Uh, so the kind, of, the, the kind of updating of, like, cultural reference points is kind of a key thing in the way that you've, that you've reworked Shakespeare... And also, I mean, making it more making it more visual because it like as it's as it's in its origins, it's it's an aural experience, isn't it? Primarily, it's about listening and and the interplay of the words and emphasis and motif and how they're kind of how the words create the meaning and all that kind of jazz. But I think I think the important point is that you only fully like you were saying you only fully kind of get to grips with that later on in life i think i think particularly young i think and i would totally include myself in this when i was younger i was terrible at listening that was like my least good skill (laughs) yeah when you say listening i suddenly thought that i was terrible at listening but i also wasn't very good at hearing yeah and uh when you really start to hear even in your head what 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 people like Shakespeare and 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 Webster are putting down yeah. onto that page? There's a world of adventure there. There's a there, there's a waltz of words, and you get yeah. to try and dance it. 
if you're that interested. In fact, I've got loads of exercises where I do end up the the, the, the the bit of the speech ends up through various sort of shuffling iambic things and all that into a speechless modern dance interpretation of that little section nice nice i you know i think i think that interplay of 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 word meaning sound i i, I really like the distinction that you draw between 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 listening and hearing i think i just i just think three four hundred years ago people were better at it they just were they must have been yeah they were because if you look at the beginning of henry the first the 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 chorus come onto the stage and basically say oh if only we had nugget here's a little plug for you a muse of fire (laughs) and i go amuse what something funny amusing what Muse, hmm, oh, thought, yeah, of fire that would transcend the brightest heaven of invention. What, you're talking about inventors now? And and uh, uh, then we could, and what they're actually cheekily, humbly as actors coming out and doing is going, oh, we need, all we've got is this little wooden O, this ring, this scaffold, no set, couple of props, bits of costume. If we need you to imagine hundreds of people. We need you to imagine England to transcend time. We need you to see. Then you can be kings to play and, and princes to watch. And we zeros, again, which is the wooden no sort of thing coming up again. We zeros, actors, we humble ciphers, which is zero and nothings again, can just do our work and you can make this come to life. And it's quite cheeky because they sort of humbly do it and suggest it, you know. And... Um, that kind of also defines for me the, the, the nature of live performance, especially theatre or even radio, not necessarily even plays or books. We immediately take our minds to the action. So when you read a book, you see pictures. When you hear stuff on the radio, you see pictures. We see shapes in clouds. And when we watch a play or, or a movie, we move our own personality into that movie. Yeah. So it's yeah. that live especially with live it's that relationship between the audience and the 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 actors that exchange of ideas of energy yeah of, of sort of sort of psychic experience um there's quite a lot there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of literary theory from sort of 20th century stuff about that that aspect of reading that i think you could also transfer directly over to theater that they, that it is fundamentally a kind of almost a sort of therapy experience where you're transferring all of your ideas and your presumptions onto the text, onto the words or onto the things happening on the stage. Um, and Shakespeare, yeah, he does he does announce himself in all sorts of ways. I mean, in Hamlet, there's all sorts of weird meta... And then him yeah. coming out going giving the advice to the actors. Do not saw the air. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then um, yeah, I I mean I think that's really handy. I, I give that to students. Again, they probably don't get it because it looks a bit complex. But at first, but I think just going back to what you're asking about why it's relevant, um, because it is all the issues of power, betrayal, love, ambition. Uh, all of those are in all the movies we watch and, and quite often in all the plays we watch. It's it's all relevant. I mean, you know, quite a few people must have been in love or uh, in, 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 in kind of infatuated with people. Times when we've hated people. 
And also because like the, sometimes the language is really big because it sort of comes from commedia dell'arte. So if someone was hungry, they would mime eating a whole horse and then chewing the bones. If you hated somebody, you hated them like, so then you start using words like thunder, lightning, strike flat, open the earth. You know, it's kind of, there is a size to it, which if you allow it to sort of take you over, is, is really exciting, I think. Well, of course, we're a couple of old gits talking, well, I am older, and, and I, you know, I'm just trying to make it, I mean, it, you know, there's all sorts of little jokes in, in the Romeo and Juliet and, and, and Hamlet that I've done just to really actually make it modern and, and accessible. You know, yeah. there's one bit where Mercutio plays around a bit, draws on Tybalt, but he just draws a bunch of flowers out of his arm sleeve her, as actually a sheave, you know, just to wind them up. So, yeah, I mean, I just think... It's a shame sometimes, but you know, cut it down, yeah. keep it fast moving. Maybe, you know, introduce music that kind of, you know, put a rave tune in there where they all come up out the ground in in a party, and it's called the freaks come out. That thing you've mentioned a couple of times about sort of compressing and condensing Shakespeare in order to give it that kind of force, that clarity. Um, uh, how, how do you find that process of cutting it down? Um, I find it partly painful because there's bits that you don't want to cut, but the more you do it, the more you get used to it. And, and actually, it's, it's still damn hard work because you have to read and read and read, and then, you know, you find, but then it gets quicker in the end but there is a lot of compression to do you think right okay does it does this little exchange need actually to be said after they've said the main thing of of, of this particular part of the scene and 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 then some of the longer hamlet speeches in fact there's there's one that starts near it's it's sort of three quarters of the way through because how all occasions do inform against me and spur my dull revenge and not many people see it or do it. And I had to take the best bits in the middle out. So it ended up as like eight lines. But I think while he's doing it, he's climbing up this thing and the ghost of his father's slapping him in the face and he climbs back down again and climbs back up again and his father slaps him in the face again. Um, and he does it about 10 times. Except the guy wasn't that violent who was slapping him. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, that, that says a lot about parents and, and your relationship with your folks, you know. And there's so yeah. much of that going on in Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and, and the King Tempest. Lear. Of You know, he's really got that yeah. angle of that famous sort of um, uh, poem by, was it, is it, who, who did that? They thingy, thingy, you, your mum and dad, they don't mean to, but they do. Oh, that's Larkin, isn't it? Larkin, yeah. Yeah. And so he's got that psychology down already, you know? Yeah. And isn't there an yeah. argument that he was one of the first proper psychologists, sort of, or something? Yeah, that, that gets that gets bandied about quite a bit. I mean, you know, all of the sort of first-generation psychoanalysts wrote an essay on Hamlet. It seems to have been a sort of rites of passage for a lot of Well, of course, because there's a debate about whether he's mad or not. Yeah, yeah, a debate about whether he's mad or not, and also some very, very dubious or odd parental relationship stuff going on. Wow. I, mean, I remember in my early teaching days, um, when I was first trying to get to properly get to grips with Hamlet, I remember my, my boss at the time um, 
saying to me that the thing, the most important thing about Hamlet to make it work is that um, his mum's got to be hot. She's, <laughs> she's got to be hot. And then the whole thing will work. Uh, because there's that weird, really uncomfortable tension always between Hamlet and his mother. And it's and it's there's so many questions and there's so much. Well, there is that moment clarity. in the big fight he has with her, isn't it? Where yeah. then what does he do? Because he's been asked to do this by a ghost. I don't think he goes mad at all. I think he get he gets very angry and disillusioned with with relationships and 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 fidelity, and 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 really angry with himself for failing to kill someone on the advice of a ghost. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a hell of a predicament for an intelligent young student to be because he's not even a warrior. He's, you know, he's a, he's a, yeah. he's a yeah. whatever you call. Well, that. this is maybe this is maybe the the thing where we can bring it back to what it what it means for for younger audiences today. Hamlet, the character of Hamlet, is kind of the prototype for for all kind of miserable kind of post morrissey <laughs> kind of t- representations of teenage life in dreary you know you know because like you said before that um they all would have been swashbuckling heroes you know hamlet was kind of the really the first proper example of first sort of sort of famous and well regarded example of a of a character who had to do heroic things who was just like a bit of a wimp well um, yeah I, I mean but, but you get a little bit that way with but then there's a journey but in henry the what's it um first prince hal who's this total mm-hmm. layabout drunkard whatever else and then mm-hmm. suddenly has to prove himself but mm. and doesn't really want to yeah. but i'm just yeah. trying to think of somebody else like like um uh, any other characters who they they've all got sort of uppity kids in a lot of the, the shakespeare's or, or disillusioned yeah. or angry you know yeah. and they've yeah. always the parents giving them advice and they're like yeah. through romeo and juliet the whole thing you know romeo and juliet montague capulet one person wants it to be dark. The other person wants the sun to come up, the moon, the sun. And then they've got this whole thing about old and young. And then they've got yeah. light and dark. And then they've got um, fast and slow. The kids in there yeah. are always like, oh, for good sake, come on, will you? And they're going, yeah. just slow down, old boy. You're going too fast. <laughs> and so within a, a classic love story and a revenge story and, and, and a tragedy like that, you've also got that sort of very cogent and very um, readable dissatisfaction of parents with kids and kids with parents. Yeah. Oh, it definitely goes both ways. It definitely goes both ways in the place. Because, I mean, if you think about uh, something like Leah, the the parental child dissatisfaction goes in both ways and it's a total flipping disaster. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, um, it's the... Yeah, because everyone ends up either mad or pretending to be mad or blind... Yeah. Or pretending or to the be... sadness of something like Macbeth, where you're looking at it from the perspective of a parent losing their children. You know, all all my little chickens. It's so sad. It's so sad. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of another one now, so I can outwit you. But I think you got. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, it's uh, true. I I think we should I think we should do this again. I think we should have another chat at some point soon about maybe more concise. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, no, I think there's some really good stuff in there, actually. I really like all of that stuff about uh, points of contact with um, younger people's lives and your work, trying to condense that stuff down. Podcast. 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 Podcast.